Thank you, worship team. I'm going to read some scripture to you guys. If you'd remain standing, if you want to get a head start, I'm going to be in 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians today. We're in a series called Start to Finish. We all want to, I was talking about paving the road. <laughs> you, want, you want to start well and you want to finish strong. We all want to pave that road, a good road ahead. It will establish great things in my life. And the Apostle Paul kind of helps us with this. If you're new to the scriptures, new to church, the Apostle Paul was a guy who had a miraculous conversion. You can read about it in the book of Acts. And he went on to start churches all over the world. The reason we have our New Testament today, the majority of it is letters that he wrote and churches that he founded. We're going to read out of that today. Our scripture that we've kind of been our theme scripture for this entire series comes out of a letter that he wrote to Timothy. So Timothy was a young pastor. And he was just getting started. He's like Pastor Daniel. Like Pastor Daniel and, and Di, and they're just getting started, and they're like, all right, cool, I've, I've been an associate. I, now, I'm in, now I'm the lead pastor. What do I do now? And it's like the Apostle Paul writes this letter and sends it to Daniel in Ohio and says, just do this. So pastors love First and Second Timothy. They, this is kind of a fun book to read out of because it's kind of our, our training manual. But it's really a training manual for all of us. And the Apostle Paul said this to Timothy. In, in his letter to him, he said this, and say this with me, will you? But you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach, how I live, and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. So what Paul is saying here is, you know what I teach. In other words, you know what I believe. Like, Timothy, you're like a son to me. You know what I believe. And you, and, and you, know, you know my life. You've watched my life. You, you, you know how focused I am on Jesus. And you know what my pattern is. You know what my purpose is, man. And Paul was set on his purpose. Do you know your purpose? I'm telling you, discover purpose. Do you know? Are you winging it in 2020? Are you hoping for the best in the next decade? Or are you confident in knowing how God has created you, how he has wired you? And I'm telling you, like, I get why Paul said I live my life on purpose. Because I take my purpose profile, I look at it every single day. And it kind of helps me in my decision making, do you know your purpose? So the Apostle Paul says this, like, all right, so we all want to start well, want to finish strong. And he kind of gives us four things. He says, faith, patience, love, and endurance. We started the series by talking about how we need uh, faith to see the finish. And last week we talked about we need patience to see the path. Next week we're going to finish with the, this ugly word called endurance. Come on, somebody give me an amen. Okay, you don't mean it, but that's okay. Uh, no, nobody who follows Jesus likes the word endurance. Today I want to talk to you about laboring in love. You're going to have to labor in love. And Paul talks about this. Let's go now to his letter to uh, the church in Thessalonica. Paul wrote this letter to this church. If you don't have a Bible, version is a great app. Download that under events. Look for Core Church and you will, you'll see our church and you can follow along. All the scriptures are right there. Chapter 2. Paul says this, you yourselves know, dear brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not a failure. You know how badly we had been treated in Philippi just before we came to you and how we suffered there. We're going to talk about that next week. Yet our God gave us the courage to declare his good news to you boldly in spite of great opposition. You're going to have some opposition in 2020 to what you want to do. So you can see we were not preaching with any deceit or impure motives or trickery. For we speak as messengers that are approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. It is good news. Somebody say, it's good news. Come on, this is good news. If you don't know Jesus, you've walked into a place 
are you going to hear some good news? And I am tired of CNN and Fox and all that's blah, 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 blah right now. And I'm ready for some good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. Never once did we try to win you with flattery, as you well know. God's our witness. We're not pretending to be your friends just to get your money. As for human praise, we've never sought it from you or anyone else. As apostles of Christ, we certainly had a right to make some demands on you, but instead we were like children among you. Or maybe we were more like a mother feeding and caring for her own children. We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. This is what it means to labor in love. Let's pray. Father, in this moment, you want to speak to all of us, and we ask that your spirit would help us to discern what you want to say. You have some things that need to change in our lives. There's some things that you want to confirm in our lives, and, and there's a wrestling that needs to take place. And so we ask your spirit to move in this place right now in Jesus' name. And everybody set. All right, you can take a seat. Well, this past Christmas, um, Laura and I had a pretty rough uh, go of it. We were in Estes Park, Colorado. Yeah, it was, uh, it was everything you can imagine. <laughs> Amazing. I have uh, four children, and they're pretty much scattered all over the country now, and so three of the four children and their families were able to gather there in Estes Park, and we just had, as you can only imagine, the most epic Christmas ever. We went up into the Rocky Mountain National Park and they had some sledding runs up there. And we took our grandkids on these, on these and, our, and our kids. And then I was like, I'm getting in on this action. I'm going to do this. And we had these inflatable tubes that we were on. Here's the one I was on right here. Look at that. That's epic right there. Riding a unicorn, baby. Woo! And my, my son, two of my sons are in film. And so uh, one of them, he brought one of his cameras. He's got this 360-degree camera. And we thought it'd be cool if we went sledding, or you know, went went sledding down the hill, and I would go first, and he came in behind me, and he's got the camera, and these runs were fast and they were fun, and so he videoed it, and it was amazing. We were just trucking down this hill, and everything was going great until we got near the bottom, and there was this lady, and she would not get out of the way. Watch this. she was okay. I think. Thank God we did not exchange information. That's what I'm thanking God for today. You know, we, we all have things that we want to accomplish in 2020. There's, there's dreams and there's hopes and there's things that you are planning for this year and for the next decade. And it would be so much easier if it weren't for people. Can I get an amen? 
I mean, man, people, they just, they just, people, they can get in your way, they slow you down, they knock you off course, and, I mean, you, and sometimes you, you don't even realize you're running over people. Have you ever been run over by somebody and they don't even know they're doing it? Like, you, sometimes you can be going so fast after what you're going for that you don't even think about the people around you and you leave a colossal damage all over the place. So, sometimes we do it unintentionally. I'm, I'm focused on where I'm headed. I'm so focused on where I'm headed, I'm not, I'm not thinking about the people. Sometimes I do it intentionally. You get in my way. You're in my way. Like, I have something I'm trying to accomplish. Like, you are slowing me down. You're not changing as fast as I want you to change, and we end up running over people. What happens is we just leave colossal damage everywhere. We hurt our family. We hurt our friends. We hurt our coworkers. We hurt those who are in our circle of influence. What I want you to know is if you want to accomplish something great for God in 2020 or in this next decade, you cannot do it apart from people. It is a labor in love. You're going to have to labor in love. But how many of you know loving people is not always easy? Like, come on, turn to somebody right now and tell them, I'm not always easy. I'm not always easy. But you need people to accomplish what you want to accomplish. So turn back and say, but you need me. But you need me. So today what I want to do is I want to give you three people questions. Three people questions. And I believe that these three people questions that I'm going to give to you are going to determine your success and what you accomplish and whether or not it's the accomplished in the right way. See, because what will happen this year is you're going to accomplish some things. This next decade, you're going to accomplish some things, some good things. You're going to have your course set, but some of you are going to look back at the end of the year and you'll be like, wow, I, I ran over my family. I, um, I took it advantage of my co-workers. I um, wasn't really kind to my classmates. Ah. But what I believe God wants you to do is he wants you to get to the end of 2020, get to the end of a decade, and look back and know that what you have accomplished has been given by God, and that you can celebrate that you did that with people. So the Apostle Paul, he had some people problems. We don't talk a lot about the people problems that he had, but his ministry was incredibly difficult. And when we talk about the hardships of, of Paul and everything that he went through in his life, let's not forget it was all orchestrated and, and carried out by people. <laughs> and so he had some people problems. Like we're talking about, he, he briefly mentions that he, he was in Philippi. And I said, we're going to talk about this next week, so I won't spend much time on that. But he went to Philippi, and he was preaching. He was doing good. You're going to do some good things in 2020. You're going to do some good things in this decade. And guess what happened to Paul? Paul was, there was a mob that was formed against him for doing good. He was beaten, dragged off to jail, imprisoned, and thrown into an inner dungeon. And then we read this in 1 Thessalonians 2.2. Paul says this to the church there. He said, yet, yet our God, say this with me, he did what? gave us the courage. One more time. He did what? He gave us the courage to declare his good news to you today in spite of great opposition. Like, 
Think is, Paul could have just walked away. He's like, whoa, 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 this happened in Philippi. Now it's happening again in Thessalonica. Like, I don't need this. I'm out. But Paul didn't do that. Paul, in, in the face of opposition and in great struggle, he didn't quit. He continued to labor in love. So here's the first question I want you to write down that you're going to have to work through in 2020 with what God's given to you. Here's the question. Do I have the courage? Do I have the courage? It's easy to love people when they love you back. It's hard to love people when they don't love you back, when they rise up in opposition. Paul, Paul shows us right here that it takes courage to love people in the face of opposition. And as you walk out the purposes and plans and things that you want to accomplish, guess what? Your love will be tested. You don't believe me? Just get married. Some of y'all ain't married, and you're like, oh, I'm looking, mm-hmm, I'm available. Can I fill out a next step card today? Testify. Do you have a swipe right on your app at the church? I mean, you're here for the Christian mingle. That's what you're here for. And you're thinking, some of you found somebody, you're like, oh, I love you. I love you, too. <laughs> Make my heart feel Peter Pander. Scrumptious machine. And he's got all these weird names for each other that you make up and stuff. And then you get married. Because here's the thing. When you're dating, you get to go back to your dorm or you get to back to your apartment and see ya. When you're married, you got to go home with them. Every day for the rest of your life. I'm talking about other people, not me. I, I, my marriage, I may, is she looking at me? I don't know. I'm not looking, I'm not looking over there. So. I mean, it's just, it's not always easy to love, but we as followers of Jesus, we, we are called to love all people all the time. It's not optional. Turn to somebody and say, it's not optional. It's not optional. And it requires, as Paul says, great courage. It takes great courage. And, and when I talk about this, listen, when, when I talk about loving somebody in the face of opposition, I'm not talking about when you get bad service at a restaurant, okay? That's called being polite. That, we think, oh, yeah, I showed love to my server. I showed love to customer service. I showed love to that person in traffic. No, you did not. You were just being polite because that's not hard. You just, you, you kept it all into, you had all this stuff going inside of you, you just didn't blurt it out, and you were able to get away from those people. But what Paul is talking about here is, can you love in the face of opposition with people who are in your sphere of influence, with people who you do life with, with your family, your friends, your classmates, your coworkers, your neighbors? Can you show unconditional abiding love to those people? It takes great courage to press forward in the face of adversity, when somebody is coming up against you, when, when somebody you thought had your back suddenly stabs you in the back. It takes great courage to press forward and into the things that God has for you. It takes great courage to not lash out. It takes great courage to not pay them back, to, to, to say that thing that you, you want to say. It takes great courage. And the kind of love that Paul is talking about here 
is, how many of you know when it comes to love, there's different types of love? You, you know that, right? Like when we, because we throw the word love around in our culture, just, just throw it around. And we're like, oh, that ain't really love. Well, actually it is. There's different types of love. There's the like love. There's the friendship love. There's the, uh, there's the attractional love. And then there's this agape love that Paul is talking about. Like if, you have a, if you're a, a parent and you, you're raising a child, when they get to be about middle school or whatever, they're going to walk in and go, I'm in love. And you're going to be like, no, you're not. Don't use the word love. You're not in. Don't do that to them. Because they are in love. It's a form of love. They're in like is what they are. Don't say it. I tried that. That, that was just ended miserably for me with my daughter when I said that to her in junior high. No, I don't. I love Harry. I love Harry from One Direction. I love him. I love him. No, honey, you like him. Okay? So I was having a moment there. I'm back. Okay. The, the, the love that Paul's talking about here is a love that's unconditional. It's this agape love. It's the kind of love that God loves us with. Like he loves us despite ourselves. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I love conditionally, but God loves on. And Paul says, no, I want to I love as Christ loves me. It's unconditional. Like, these people are hurting me. I still love them. These, these people are, are, he had people who were leaving him. He had people that turned their back on him. He got stabbed in the back by people that he thought were with him that turned against him. But he said, no, I'm going to love them anyway. I mean, sometimes the very people that you're called to help or that you're trying to help will be the ones who hurt you the most. Paul goes to Philippi. He's going to do good. Tried to help him. They ended up hurting him. What I like about Paul, though, is he didn't go on Facebook and, like, tag people. You know, it's, here's who hurt me, here's who hurt me, and here's who hurt me. Tag, 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 tag. I mean, he didn't put, a, like, a one-star review on TripAdvisor. Don't go to Philippi. Accommodations not as expected. Now, Paul didn't do any, any of that, but how many of us could say we would do that? I mean, really, how many of us could say that I would love unconditionally? Like, I, I would do the right thing. I think for many of us, if not most of us, man, it's just so easy to do. I mean, you've seen the Facebook posts that people put sometimes, haven't you? You're like, dang, I'm not even going to touch that one. I'm not going near it. I'm not going to say anything because it's like, it's a thread, and it's like, oh, my goodness, that they're, they're angry. You ever talk to somebody and they manage to slip into the conversation, somebody that they're angry at? They're not really, you know they're not really wanting help, you know what I'm talking about? Like they don't really want help, they just want to talk about them. That's not unconditional love. Paul says, man, I, I, you got to love unconditionally. And, and Paul says that the courage to love this way can only be found in God. It's only God. You cannot muster up this kind of love. This is why our culture and our society and our world struggle and struggle and struggle and, and why they are searching and searching and searching and searching for love. Because right when they think they got it, they miss it. Why? Because I have no ability. I, I, can, I have the ability to be good. I have the ability to be polite. I have the ability to be nice. I have the ability to love you like I like you, but I don't have the ability to love unconditionally. It's only through Jesus that I can love that way. Come on, turn, turn somebody, tell them right now, three people and say, only Jesus can help me. Only Jesus can help me. Only Jesus can help me. Do I have the courage? Verse 3, Paul says this, so you can see we were not preaching with any deceit or what? Impure motives. 
didn't have any impure motives or trickery. Like, because of his influence, Paul, he, he could have manipulated people. He's a very powerful man. He talks about it here. Like, the, man, I could, I could have done whatever I wanted, but I didn't. In fact, in the next couple of verses, he says, hey, I didn't use flattery. I, I, did, I didn't pretend to be your friend. You ever had anybody pretend to be your friend? Oh, that is just ugly, is it not, when you find out that they were, they used you? Oh, you invited me out to lunch so you could tell me about your pyramid marketing scheme? Ugh. That's not friendship. That's not love. That's for somebody today, by the way. All right. Only God can give us the ability to, to be patient, to be kind, to be forgiving when, it's, when we don't feel like forgiving, to show self-control when I'm about to lose control on this person because they are in my way. And I'm just going to run them down. And only God can intervene in that moment and give you the power and the ability to love and not say stupid. Because we say stupid, and only God can intervene with that through the power of his spirit to help us with this. So here's the second question I want you to write down. What's my why? What's my why? What's my why? What's, what's the motive? What's my motive behind what I'm trying to accomplish? Like, why, why am I wanting to do this? I, I think there's four primary motivators. There might be more, but I'm going to give you four of them, and, and I'd like for you to write this down because we're all motivated by at least one, probably more than one, but I, here are the four, and I want to give them to you. Here's, here's the first one, provision. Write down the word Provision. The second word is prestige. Write down that word, prestige. Third word is pleasure. Some of us are motivated by pleasure. And the last one is power. Some of us are motivated by power. Provision. Some of us are motivated by, by the almighty dollar. You're going to get up tomorrow, you're going to go to work, you're going to go to school, you're going to do whatever you do because you are motivated by Money, like that's the thing that gets you going. It's, it's money. Now, for some of you, it's not money. It's, it's actually prestige. You're like, I don't need money. Money doesn't motivate me at all, but prestige is what motivates you. Like you got up today to come to church, and you looked in the mirror, and your thought wasn't, hey, how do I look? Your thought was, what are people going to think about what I'm wearing? Because you're motivated by image. It's why you post what you post on social media. You post it because you're like, well, I'm going to put this post, post and, and this selfie and this thing in this way so that people will think a certain way about me. Prestige. Some of you are motivated by pleasure. What it motivates you is just pleasure. It's just whatever feels good. Like your, your, your motto for 2020 is, it's all about me. Finally, me. Like, I am so tired. People have gotten my way. People have messed up my plans. People have wrecked my life. People have been the biggest problem. This year, 2020, is the year of me. I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't care about my kids. I don't care about my parents. I don't care about my brother and sister. I don't care about my family. I don't care about my friends. I don't care about my church people. It, it, I don't, I, it's about me. And I'm going to do what feels good to me. It's about time I'm going to celebrate me. For some of you, it's power. You want control. Man, if I could just get 
get control. And, like, and it, it started when you were in, in junior high and high school, and you're like, man, I cannot wait to graduate. Nobody going to tell me what to do when I get out of this house. I don't have to listen to nobody. And then you graduated, and you went on to college. You're like, a lot of people telling me what to do here too. Cannot wait to get out of college. And you get out of college, and you get a boss. Like, it's what? And now you're telling me what to do. I'm going to quit that job. And so you quit your job, go to the next job, go to the next job. And it, listen, it's, it's just, you want control. You're motivated. How can I get some power? How can I be in control? And Paul's motivation wasn't any of those. Paul's motivation was to please God, simply to please God. He said this, our purpose is to what? Please God, not people. Paul says his motive, his purpose was to please God and not people. He said he alone examines the motives of our hearts. See, what, what happens to us is we start to focus on, on pleasing people. We, we start looking this way instead of looking this way. And the next thing you know, I'm comparing my life. And suddenly my motivator is about money, it's about what I can have, where I can go, and, and what I can get, and suddenly my why begins to change. Why I do what I do. My motivator changes on me when I'm looking to please people instead of pleasing God. It happens all the time, like in parenting. Man, you're, you're a parent, and you're like, man, I want to please God. I want to raise my children. I want them to know Jesus. I want to, I want to teach them and train them. I want them to grow up. I want them to chase their dreams. And, and next thing you know, you, you're starting to look at other parents, <laughs> and you see what they're doing, and you see what they're putting their kids in, and suddenly you start spending money on your kids. You start putting them into activity after, after activity after activity, jacking up the credit card debt and jacking it up and jacking up and buying them this and buying them that, putting them in this, gone, traveling, going, 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 not because it's pleasing to God, not because what he wants, but because you know it's suddenly it's not even about your kid. Now it's about you because you got to maintain a certain status because you want everybody to think you're a great parent, so you're running around like crazy, putting your kid in all kinds of crazy stuff, wearing them out because your why has changed. Some of you are get in school and we think, man, I'm in school and, and, and I'm in school and I'm get, chasing that diploma, I'm chasing that degree, and, and what, what, what would it be that would please God in this idea, man, what, what would he want me to put my hand to, what would he want me to do, and where would he want me to go, and, but then you start focusing on people and you look around and you see what others are doing and you see what degree they're going after, and then you're like, how much are you going to make with that degree? Home. You don't want to tell them what you're going to make. Or you hear the degree they're getting that's going to give them a little bit of prestige or power, and you're like, oh, mine is just this. And next thing you know, you change your degree so you can chase the almighty dollar. And then you, over the next two decades, you're nothing but miserable. Happens even in the church. And when we have our offering that we give, we should give because it pleases the Lord. We give because of salvation. We give because of his un unconditional love, because of his grace and his mercy, and because I want others to have this. I can't wait to give to God. How much can I give to God? And then I look around at others around me, and what I see is what they drive, and I see what they own, and I see what they have, and I see that, oh, they go out to eat lunch, and if I give then I can't have that status. I can't get that car. I have to drive this old thing. If I give, I have to drive this. I, I'm not going to be able to go out to eat, and then they're going to think that I, I'm, 
And next thing you know, instead of giving to please God, you're holding back because you got to have the status. Because I got to get the stuff. I got to have this. I mean, it happens to everybody. Even in serving, you can serve. You get involved on a core team and you're serving for all the right reasons because you want to help people, you want to serve people. But then all of a sudden you're like, you see somebody get some accolades and you see them come up on stage and they talk about the ministry they're in or you hear it in the hallway and somebody says, man, I love what you do, but you're serving behind the scenes and nobody's ever said thank you to you. So you start kind of doing it so that people will see what you're doing. So you give me an attaboy. So you build me up. Man, it happens even to preachers. I'd love to tell you it never happens to me, but man, that's why every Sunday before I come out on this stage, every day I get before God on my face, and I say, it's got to be about you. It can't be about me. It's got to be about the people. I, I mean, when I'm back backstage, before I come out, I am on my face, and I am praying. I'm saying, God, it's got to be about them and not me, because I know what will happen is I'll come out here, I look at your faces, and the next thing I know, I'm trying to entertain you. I'm trying to coerce and, and change things and make it in a way that you'll accept it, that you won't reject me, you won't reject this church, and you won't go somewhere else, or you won't stop coming to church, because I'm like, oh man, if I say this, and they may never, they may never come back. And so then I start saying things differently, and my motivator changes, or I look around, and I see other pastors. Like, you see other people that are in your career field, I see people in my career field, and I see how successful they are and oh man look at the all the people that are coming look what that guy look at the sneakers that dude's wearing I'm on preachers and sneakers look what that dude is wearing those are like six where do I get six hundred where do I get three thousand dollar sneakers those are amazing somebody wants to donate them I will proudly wear them I will proudly go on preachers and sneakers okay just for the record but your why can get messed up really fast and if you're not looking to please God so here's the third question that I'd like for you to write down Will this be pleasing to God? Will this be pleasing to God? Will what I'm about to do, will what I'm about to do this afternoon, will this be pleasing to God? Well, what I'm going to do tomorrow, what I put my, my hand to for this year, for this, what I'm thinking about for this next decade, the way I'm treating the people around me, will this be pleasing to God? Will what I'm about to say be pleasing to God? To God. I mean, it's one of the best filters you can have, by the way, when you are just tense and you're like, I'm about to go off on you. In that moment, the best thing you do is just take a quick breath and go, will this be pleasing to God? And it'll help you in that moment. The Holy Spirit will help you and go, don't say it. I'm saying it. Don't say it. I'm saying it. Will this be pleasing to God? Is, is this what he wants me to do or to say? And Will what I'm about to post be pleasing to God? Oh, now I am preaching up in here. Man, this is mine. I started using this because I started thinking about why am I posting online? Am I posting this so I can get the accolades so people will like me, so people will notice me, they'll think a certain way about me? And when I started using that filter, and I use it for every post before I ever post, will this be pleasing to God? And that picture of the unicorn, the one where I was riding the unicorn, I was going to post that. Because when I saw that picture, I was like, that is an epic picture. That is inc it's an insanely amazing. But look at me on that unicorn. Look at me. And look at my expression. And look at me. I look like a man's man. Look at that jacket I got on. I am boss. I got it going on. I got to post. Okay, no, I'm not going to post this. Because I knew there's nothing wrong with posting that picture. What was wrong was my motivator. 
and why I wanted to post that picture. So why am, why am I posting, will this be pleasing to God? Verse 8, Paul says this, we loved you so much. I want to turn to somebody by you and just tell them, man, I love you. I, I, I love you. I loves you. Some of y'all wishing you sat somewhere else. You're single like, man, I wish I was sitting over there. <laughs> he says, we loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but what? But our own lives too. I want to invite the worship team to come. Discover Purpose is coming up in, in February, and in Discover Purpose, you're going to get your Discover profile, but you're also going to learn this. You're going to learn that you have a, a primary purpose, and you're going to have a, you have a personal purpose, and, and all of us have this primary purpose, and that is to take the hope and the healing and the peace and the purpose of Jesus into the world, but we also have a personal purpose. Your personal purpose involves you, your unique calling, your unique bent, your unique giftings, and how the place in which God wants to use you, and so for Paul, his personal purpose, we learned this last week, his personal purpose was to preach. That was what it is. But he never lost sight of his primary purpose, and his primary purpose was this, to love people. The last thing I want you to write down is this, I'm not called to please people. Write that down. I'm not called to please people, but I am called to love people. I'm not called to please people, but I am called to love people. Have you, have you ever been in a position where you're all loved out? You know what I mean? Where you're just like exhausted. Like you're just all tapped out. There's no love to give. And then suddenly, you got to give a little more love. Laura and I, this last month has been insane. Insane. We've been going at a breakneck pace. Uh, it started when right before Christmas we went to Oklahoma City. My father-in-law is at the VA Center in Claremore, and, and so we went to an advocate in, in Oklahoma City to help us, and we had to camp out overnight. Won't go into that story, but we had to camp out overnight with over 100 veterans just to meet with this guy. That's how big this guy is. This, that's the difference this guy is making as an advocate for veterans. We slept in our car, drove home, got up, preached the Christmas service, which was incredible, Right after the Christmas service, got in our car, drove all the way to Estes Park, got there at 1 a.m., spent the week loving on our family, epic, amazing, and incredible, got back in the car, drove all the way, 11 and a half hours back to Tulsa, got up, did the celebration service, which was well worth it, an insanely amazing service. Left that service, got in a car, drove to St. Louis because our niece had had a baby and we wanted to go love on her and encourage her and her husband and see this beautiful baby. Came back to town. The very next weekend, we had to get in a car and go back to Oklahoma City for my father-in-law. Went back to Oklahoma City, came back. At that point, I was done. I was done. I had nothing left to give Laura. We were just completely exhausted. And she said, hey, don't forget, Sunday night we have that pastor's dinner. Uh, I'm tapped out. I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. Just Brad, you, you, you have to do it. So we got a car, and we drove, and went to this dinner. And I thought I was going to be able to sit with my friends and some of our staff, and we got there, and they had a sign seating, ah! which, which, by the way, means you have to sit with people you don't like or don't want to sit with. Come on, let's be real. So I'm sitting at this table with a bunch of old people, 
And uh, some of you are like, Brad, you're old. I'm talking about old, old people. <laughs> they were good people. I'm not, I'm just messing with you. They were good people. But I, I was like, you know what? Y'all just talk amongst yourselves. You're pastors. Y'all know you loved. Blah, 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 blah. I'm just going to sit here, eat my food. I ain't talking. I'm tired. Let me be. I didn't say that out loud, by the way. I was just thinking it. Laura, exhausted, wore out, tired. She starts talking to this pastor's wife next to her. And this pastor's wife starts telling her about their church and the work that they're doing and about her son. And, and I watch my wife, and she's just, she's exhausted, but she's just listening. She's just listening, listening, engaged. And I'm like, how is she doing this? I have nothing to give. And she prays stops and just prays for this pastor's wife. That's laboring in love. You gotta love even when you don't have it in you to love. It takes courage to love in that way. It takes, takes strength to say, man, what's my motivation? What's my why? My, my why was all jacked up that night, but her why, she's like, no, no, I, my, I wanna please God. What's your motivator? People. It's about people. It's about laboring in love.